All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Pray that you would meet with us, take away our distractions, help us to focus on you, focus on your word, change us, set us free. I just thank you that we're in a season right now where you are moving um, all over the place. You're moving in this church, but you're moving all over the place in unique, powerful ways. I just pray we wouldn't miss any of it. We'd get right in the middle of the river where you're working. So come meet with us today. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you ever been frustrated at God? Ever been frustrated at God? That's what I'm going to be talking about today. So, um, a lot of people in Scripture frustrated with God. And we have one of the most beautiful souls in the whole Bible, Mary of Bethany, frustrated at Jesus. I think one of the most powerfully, intimately connected people to Jesus and his heart and his will. She's the one who he commends. When Martha's running around like a chicken with her head cut off, like a Mary's got it going on. Mary listens to me. He defends her when she does something really amazing before uh, burial, you know, anoints him with the fragrant perfume and all that. And Judas is like, we should use the money. You know, the church treasurer, we should use the money for something more practical. And he's like, get off her case. This woman is on point. Often, she gets frustrated at Jesus one time. Uh, I don't think I'm reading into the text too much that when Jesus finally gets there, she doesn't really want to see him right away. Martha runs out. Mary stays in the house. Martha has to go back. Jesus wants to see you. Then she can't take it anymore. She's like, I just love him. I got to go see him. Even though I'm mad at him. Is she mad at him? Probably, no, she's not human. She's she's made of different stuff. She was there's people in the Bible, there's a there's a saint, you know, bucket of human essence in heaven and all these people in the Bible. They're made of that stuff. No, they're made of the same stuff. And when she sees Jesus, she said, If you would have been here, this disaster would not have happened. First thing she says to him, does that sound like frustration? No, let's interpret. It was some holy. It was a statement of faith. She's saying, Jesus, she's floating three feet off the ground when she says it. If you would have been here, Master, I have no rankled emotions, nothing. Unless she's frustrated. So I just want to walk through this passage because um, I've been frustrated. There's situations in a lot of our lives. That frustrate us. Why do we get frustrated with God? What do we do when we get frustrated with God? So, uh, maybe without further ado, I'll jump into the text. I usually take too long talking. And like, Let's get in the text. Okay. Certain man was sick. We're in John 11. Certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. It's interesting, there's another Bethany here where John the Baptist baptizes people. People aren't quite sure where it is, but this is a Bethany a couple miles from Jerusalem. 
of the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This is Mary and Martha that we talk a lot about. Uh, Mary's sitting at his feet. Martha's running around. And she gets rebuked. But they're good, good friends of Jesus. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And that comes up just a few pages. The sisters therefore sent him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. This is an interesting designation, he whom you love. It's given to the apostle John, as in your BFF, right? You're, you're really tight with this guy. There's a sermon here. You don't have to be best friends with everybody. you got to love everybody. But there's some people you just really connect with. Evidently, there was something special. Um, the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, to who? Well, when he heard it, the messengers in the room, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. So they're thinking, woohoo, sweet. I'm going to run home and I'm going to tell them, Jesus said this sickness is not unto death, but that God would be glorified. We just faced this previously, a couple chapters previously, where there was a blind guy. They say, who sinned, this guy or his parents? Neither. It was that the works of God might be revealed. Oh, I know what's going to happen. Jesus is going to heal him and he's getting up. So I got the word of Jesus here. I've I've just kind of laid it all out in my mind, what's going to happen. He said this, so boom, 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 this is going to happen. Maybe by the time, you know, I get home, you know, that he's already going to be up off the bed and, or whatever. Or, or I get to tell the sisters and then we'll go have a prayer meeting and boom, uh, he's going to jump up off the bed. Well, as we know, that's not what happened. Well, I might as well tell you guys, this is what happens in our lives. God says, do this and do this. And do this, or he says, this is going to happen. And then in our mind, we frame out how it's all going to pan out. So that's evidently what happened here. Jesus said, not unto death. God's going to be glorified. So they thought, I know what that means. Well, what does it mean? Jesus loved, this is interesting. It so emphasizes in this chapter how much Jesus loves them. I think more than any other chapter in John, this chapter emphasizes how much Jesus loves a few people. Because later on, he says twice, says he wept. Nowhere else in John talks about that. But it says his heart was deeply moved. So in the midst of this frustration, the one thing you need to know is when you're frustrated with God, maybe I'll just give away my sermon. You just don't know what's going on. And two, he loves you so much. And the devil's like, no, he doesn't. Because what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like you. He doesn't love you. You're not predestined. You're not one of the elect. You're, there's something wrong. You sinned, and he's not forgiving you. Yeah, that, that thing Jason just said, that's for everybody else, not for you. If the church knew what you were about, no, this is not the program for you. God said this. You did this. This happened, so you're out. And all through this chapter, it's just interesting how much. Wait, wait. I just need to make another note. He really, really loved them. Yes, they were frustrated, but he really, really loved them. If you're frustrated with God, you don't know what's going on, but you, you need to know he really, really, really loves you and something good is going on. But you got to trust him. 
but it's going to get wild and crazy. And that, that, that vision that you had, the scenario of how it's all going to work out, it's going to get blown up. You ever seen a building get demolished? It's going to be demolished like that. And the words that Jesus spoke, they're going to be fulfilled, but they're not going to look anything like you thought they were going to look. You think about King David. What a beautiful story. All these big strapping brothers, and they all pass by. And hey, isn't there anybody else? Yeah, there's this little pimple-faced kid out watching, watching, you know, watching the sheep. Not washing the sheep. He's watching the sheep. Go get him. And he comes in. Yeah, that's the one. Anoints him. I'm going to be king. They're probably going to take me into the palace in the next couple of weeks. Probably going to have a limo pull up. Nope. You're going to get chased around the desert by a demoniac crazy man and have a bunch of <laughs> felons and criminals gather around you and you're going to be hiding in caves for years. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that, was not, that was not how this was supposed to play out, okay? So that's David, the greatest king Israel ever had. Jesus, is, his title is son of David. So eventually God got there, but it wasn't the vision in his head. What about Abraham? You know, you're going to have a kid, and I'm going to multiply him like the stars of the heaven, and every human being on earth is going to be blessed through you, Abraham. Woohoo! Probably eight months from now. We're going to have a baby, and we're going to have a party, you know, et cetera. Yeah, you know, Sarah, you ought to start making those announcements. You know, let's let's get real creative. What's the Bible? What What's the name are we going to give him? And let's, uh, well, uh, no, not not this year, and not this decade, and not this half century. And and he's like wandering around the desert. And I was like, what in the world? So, well, I think God might, you know, he must be busy helping the Hittites or something or the Egyptians. So maybe I'll help them along and I'll do the surrogate thing with the Egyptian maid that we picked up in, in uh, Egypt. And that doesn't turn out very well for anyone. And God's like, no, I'm doing this and it's you and Sarah, but it just didn't pan out the way he thought it was going to. So anyway, why am I saying this? Because, uh, oh, should I be really, should I tell you later or should I tell you now? Because right now, our church, there's a temptation to get really frustrated with a situation that we're all stuck in right now. Some of you know what we're talking about, but some of you have your own situation. Last trip we took to Africa, I took with Joe, and uh, we went, our church got involved in one situation where somebody needed help, and this was Annie, and we got her an operation, and I went by to see her and she's falling on the ground and crying and everybody's celebrating because it all just rolled out like gumdrops and rainbows and it was all wonderful and praise the Lord. And then we found out about another situation. We didn't ask you guys to get involved because we knew you guys were already bending over backwards because you're the just incredibly generous church. I'm astonished at you guys. And I was like, well, I called Susan. And I said, well, there's this guy, Michael, and he has a tumor. And the only way it's going to get fixed is if we can send him to India. And uh, I don't know if this was a conversation that you heard, but I was just telling Susan, look, we'll make this work, and it doesn't matter who wants to go along with us. But I'll throw it out there. And once again, you guys just went bonkers. And we know what's going to happen. God says, do this, you know, help the poor and the oppressed and the beaten down and the afflicted. And so here's this poor kid. His life is ruined. We can be like the good Samaritan. We can rush in there. We can pray for him. We can believe for him. We can send our resources. 
And then it's and then we're gonna have another Annie thing. We're gonna go back. We'll have a party. We'll send pictures home, right? Maybe we'll build a building. We'll put a plaque on it. And you know, we can always talk about. And what happened was we went one, two, three, bam. We got run over by a train. God said, "No, I just said do what I told you to do. I didn't tell you how it was all gonna pan out. I love you." And ultimately, it's all going to be fine. But you believe I, do you believe that I love you? And are you open to the possibility that you just don't have a clue? You got to get used to doing this. And so this is kind of a paradigm, paradigm, this John chapter. God says, do this, go here, give this, take this risk. And then you think, oh, I know what that means. Bam, bam, bam. None of that happens, and instead you enter, you're like David hiding out in a cave. You're like Abraham stumbling around in the wilderness. Where the heck is my kid? I mean, it's been, you know, decades and decades. This wasn't what I, what I anticipated. So let's see what happens here. So they even have, they have the word of God. After this, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, oh, sorry, I skipped the verse. When therefore he, for he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So God says, hey, uh, I'm going to provide that blessing. Richard's doing a seminar on godly marriage. How many of you guys who are married remember chewing your fingernails to the cuticles and chewing on the furniture waiting for that wife, right? You got her eventually, right? But it seemed like God waited a lot more than two days. Right, But anyway, he doesn't run, you know, he doesn't get on the bullet train, whatever, or the bullet caravan to, to run and heal. He, he just sits there. And then he says, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So, yeah, we could launch off in a hundred different directions with that. But Jesus is always going to do the right thing at the right time. And ultimately, it's not about they're seeking to kill you. It's, it's a bad, maybe a bad decision. He's like, look, I, I'm just doing my father's will all the time. I'm just going to do my father's will. Why did he stay? He was doing his father's will. Why did he go? He's doing his father's will. Only a person that knows that God loves them, and usually they don't know what's really going on or how it's all going to pan out, but they know that God loves them and eventually it's going to be good, will we'll walk like this. Will you obey God no matter what it looks like, no matter how irrational it seems, no matter how many of your half-baked Christian friends or non-Christian friends are saying nobody does it that way, you say, no, I've, I thought this through. I've prayed this through. I've gotten wise counselors. This is the next move. But now's the time to go. This he said, and after that he said, uh, go to them. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I, uh, he said, let us go to them. Uh, I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples therefore said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So here already we see once again the disciples almost never understand what he's talking about. 
And oftentimes you don't either. What he said was true. The glory of God's going to be revealed. This is not unto death. They had no clue what that meant. Here they said he, he said they're asleep. They had no clue what that meant. When he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. They had no clue what that meant. He said, I'm the bread of heaven. They had no clue what that meant. I'm going to destroy the temple in three days. They had no clue what that meant. All through the book of John. I mean, they're just like, they have no clue. And, and we don't either. But we know that if we obey, he loves us, and we're going to get to where we need to be. Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Wait a minute, I thought you said this wasn't unto death. Is this a contradiction in Scripture? Is Jesus talking out of both sides of his mouth? Once again, no clue. Don't know what he's doing. But remember, he loves us, and he loves them. I'm glad for your sakes I was not there, so you may believe. But let's go to him. Thomas, therefore, who's, I don't know what to do with this verse. I never have. Thomas, therefore, who's called Didymus, this is doubting Thomas. I think Didymus just means twin. Said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. I don't even know. If you know what that means, you can come talk to me afterwards. He's probably just trying to be spiritual or something. I don't know. Um, or maybe he's just thinking, hey, we'll he could be saying, hey, let's obey, just like Jesus is willing to go to death. Let's be like him. But it's just funny. It's just, they're just a bunch of clueless guys. And this sounds like kind of a pious thing to say, you know, but I don't know. I'm sure if you got me 10 commentaries, we could have 20 explanations of what that statement means. When Jesus came, he found him. I uh, found that he'd already been in the tomb four days. So I don't want to get into the technicalities of it, but there's a place where he was and he had to go to Bethany. I don't know how long the journey was. Some people say it was four days. There is a spot that might be. Anyway, you can read the commentaries. But if it's a four-day journey and he waited two days, he could have saved him, but he didn't. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary still sat in the house. Mary loves him, dare we say, the most. She doesn't want to see him. Why? Other times you don't want to talk to God? I just don't like what you've done here. I don't like what you've asked me to do. I don't like what you're asking me to do. I'm just angry. I didn't want to quit that job. I didn't want to break up with that girlfriend. I just don't really want to talk to you right now. But Martha here, she steps up and she goes to meet him. Martha therefore said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she basically, she's angry and she kind of blames him. She's frustrated. What were you thinking, Jesus? You said this wasn't unto death. Now he's dead. You could have gotten here. You didn't. What's with that? Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she says, I still believe in you. But she's not. There's no big statement of faith here. She doesn't really think he's going to raise the dead. She thinks this is all this is all bygone. 
because he's starting to rot. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she didn't say, hallelujah, let's get to it. She said, I know he's going to rise again at the resurrection. Duh, everybody knows that. I wanted, I wanted him around for a few more years because I loved him. It didn't happen. I'm not real happy with you right now. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is worth preaching on right here, just this section, because the situation lets Jesus make a statement about the importance of believing in him and that he's the source of eternal life for all of us. So if he had left it there and left him in the grave, uh, just this statement, if you believe in Jesus, you will never die. He is eternal life. He is our ticket to peace with God and eternity. He said, I'm the resurrection of life. So he has this chance to make this beautiful statement, but kind of like us, yeah, that's the sweet by and by. What about the nitty gritty here now and my problem today that you didn't? Sure, I'm going to heaven, but my marriage is a wreck and my baby's sick and my bank account's a wreck. And you asked me to take a risk and then it looks like you didn't come through. What about the here and now? She said, yes, Lord, I've believed you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here. He's calling for you. When she heard it, she arose quickly and was coming to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, uh, who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why did you do it this way? Or why didn't you do it? Or why did you say one thing, and it just really doesn't look like it panned out? God told you to step out in faith. God told you to quit a job. God told you to be humble and honest about something. And then you, again, you thought, I know how this is going to roll out. God told you to give. God told you to apologize. My, uh, my father passed away. Uh, over a year ago and I remember him telling me a story of apologizing to somebody who had really 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 hurt him in fact this man at one point said I broke your spirit to my father so my father thought well I know that I wasn't innocent in this whole thing so I'm going to go apologize to him and he went and apologized to him and of course in our minds what's going to happen the guy's going to say me too come here brother I'm so sorry yeah I just no it was me I, you know I think that's what he was expecting what actually happened, it was, yeah, you really were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you finally saw that you were this and you were that. And you're like, woo, woo, smoke coming out your ears. That was not what I was anticipating. God's like, I don't care. You do what I ask you to do. Be very careful about telling yourself how it has to play out. 
Where are we? Mary came to where Jesus was. She saw him, fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not, not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came to her weeping, he was deeply moved, was troubled. I'm interested. I was just looking in the footnotes. Do you guys know what this is? Have you ever seen one of these? This is a printed version of the Bible in codex form. I don't know if you guys actually, because I've not looked at one in forever since everything's been on my phone. I just have not opened the Bible. It's crazy. And today I'm like, I'm going old school. I'm actually taking the codex form of the written Bible because I'm not, I don't do my quiet time out of this, whatever. So it's, it's kind of funny to, to, uh, it's been years, even up front. I'm like, have I brought a Bible to preach from? to the front of the church. So this is interesting. So I'm like, oh, they have footnotes and cross-references, all kinds of interesting stuff in there. Um, but anyway, I, was, I wanted to see what the troubled moved in spirit. John has a different vocabulary than the synoptic authors, but what he's saying here is exactly what the synoptic Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what they're saying when they use that really, really special Greek word, splonknizomai. He doesn't use that word. John doesn't use the splonknizomai uh, verb. Moved in the guts. Jesus is like, oh, I love you guys so much. I'm so sorry you have to go through this. I'm so sorry you live in a world full of death and disease and pain and loss. And I'm so, oh, my heart just aches because I love you. So again, this chapter is just full of this. They don't have a clue what's going on. People are frustrated. Looks like Jesus said one thing. He's going to do another. But beneath everything, it's, I love you so much. Can you trust me? Please, will you trust me? Don't let the devil tell you I'm unjust, I'm unloving, I'm cruel, I'm holding out. Because if the devil can convince you of that, if that was what Mary was up to and she wasn't open to, you know, trusting somehow this is going to work out, maybe she just stormed off and said, I'm going to go try another religion. I'm going to become an atheist. He failed me, you know. I don't like death. I don't like suffering, and he should have busted in. He should have done it the way I want him to do it. So, he's deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And then, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because he loves you. And he even feels pain watching us like little three-year-olds that don't understand why they have to go to bed on time and why they have to eat their broccoli and why they can't play in the middle of a six-lane highway and why they can't drink the Drano and, and they throw a fit, right? And they cry, they scream. Um, or when they have to go to the doctor and why they have to get a shot that hurts and you hold them and they look at you like, Dad, why are you letting them torture me like this? Or they have to go, you know, they get injured and they have to go through rehab and they cry and they say, it hurts and I don't want to do this. And and you hurt because you, they don't, you know they don't understand, but you love them and you know what's best for them. And God loves us and he knows what's best for us. And oftentimes we don't have a clue. And he said, do this and do this and do this. And sometimes he doesn't tell us what's going to happen because we might not have done this and this and this if we knew what was coming. Tell you another little story. I've told it before. Well, I've got to be super careful. I think I'm having the best time of my life right now. I am. 
I'm getting emotional, so I'm not lying. I'm really having the best time of my life. We're surrounded by miracles. It's really awesome. Really, really awesome. So, uh, and that does relate to what I'm going to tell you. God, and you're like, oh, I already heard this story. Some of you hadn't, haven't. We had a wonderful church in Ellsworth, Kansas, and it was awesome. And some of you guys were there. Who was there? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand, right? And it was so awesome, and there were such wonderful relationships. And when we started this thing, people were like, we got to move here and be a part of that because it was a lot of fun. And God said, once that church seemed to be up and running like a Swiss watch, okay, you're done. Leave and go to Manhattan, Kansas. Because you're going to, and I'd been praying that I could direct this international ministry. And I didn't tell anybody. Maybe I told Susan, I didn't tell anybody. Then the main missionary called, I think you need to direct this mission, this ministry. The director called, I think you need to direct this ministry. Um, I went and told the elders, I think God's asking me to leave because what I needed to accomplish in this church is done and I'm going to go. Uh, we're going to go to Manhattan, Kansas because some young guys that I had mentored were here and my sons were here and I knew just what was going to happen. So God said, leave this church, go to Manhattan, take over this ministry. Oh, and you know what's going to happen? Worldwide success. We're going to have people coming to Christ, discipleship training. I'm going to be jet-setting around the world, training pastors, economic development, building orphanages, you know, just these visions of, yay, Jesus, go, Jesus, right? These these throngs of little orphans marching down the streets with banners, right? I'm exaggerating a little bit. And what happened? We got crushed. Do this. Okay, do this. Okay, do this. Okay. Oh, that means this, 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 this. Uh, we started to have internal conflict on the board. They wouldn't let me move forward. We started having chaos overseas. Unsolvable chaos. A church that was a partner got involved and said, we're going to give you thousands of dollars to take a trip over there. I was going to take Brandon Jones with me to try to sort out something that was going on in Nigeria. The thing blew up. We lost all their money. Uh, nobody was giving. My main board member, partner, good friend, who's still on my board, after my first trip and the plane touched down, they said, get to Children's Hospital now. His son is on death's door with leukemia. We just found out while you were gone. He's out. He can't help. He can't talk. He's now two years out of the picture helping his kid. People that were going to donate to me, sorry, we got tanked. We got overrun. Uh, you're kind of on your own. Nothing was working. Nobody cared what I knew. I know some stuff. I've been, I've studied, I've seen some cool stuff. I know how to help people. I know how to teach the Bible. I've learned my Greek and my Hebrew. And I've, I was like, I'm ready to go and do stuff. Nobody cared. Everybody thought I was crazy. Nobody wanted to give. I was watching the one night we were with Susan's parents. I was watching, I got up in the middle of the night, went down and watched TV. Usually not a good idea, guys especially don't do that. But this night wasn't bad. I went down. There's a show about a guy who uh, was backpacking with his girlfriend out in the backwoods of somewhere. 
and he was all cocky and arrogant and thinking he could didn't need a map because he'd grown up and he's he's a woodsy guy, whatever. So he gets his girlfriend lost in the woods and then he gets eaten by a black bear. And I felt like, well, that's you, Tad. Mr. I'm hearing God's voice and doing God's will. You're lost in the woods now and your wife probably thinks you're nuts. Everybody else thinks you're nuts. And this isn't going to work out. Because I went one, two, three. Okay, thanks, God. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And God said, no, not exactly. Go back to three and why don't you just kind of hover there. Don't try to fill this thing out. And uh, and I've told you this too, but I'll tell you again. I was walking in the park, and I said, "God, I know why men kill themselves." I wasn't suicidal because I I I just haven't been suicidal because I know who God is. You know who God is, you never have to be suicidal. There's always hope if you know who He is. So, like, I know why men are suicidal, God, because they don't feel like they have a place. They don't feel like anybody cares. I couldn't pay my bills either. I was going $1,000 in the hole every single month. Every month. And I've never made that much. For some people, like, who cares? Just do one sale and that'll clear all that. No, no, that was, that, I, if you looked at my, you, my life doesn't make any sense. I needed that money to survive. We're just going in the hole. Nothing's working. I said, God, I know why people kill themselves. And God just said, are you doing what I ask you to do? That, and again, so did you hear an audible voice? No, I don't know exactly how I have these conversations with God. I just I shoot things up and I get impressions and from God and they make a ton of sense when I'm really humble and I'm obedient. And I'm really willing to hear whatever he has to say. Are you doing what I told you to do? Well, yeah. Then you're cool. Well, I guess I'm cool. I guess we're good. No idea why all the faith promises aren't working and why nobody gives a rip about all the stuff I know and all the things I've been through and why I feel like that guy wandering around lost in the woods is going to get eaten by a black bear. I don't know why. I, I know I've done what you asked me to do. And I know you love me and none of this makes any sense. So... Yeah, this church ain't much. We don't even have a building. Anybody been touched by God in this place? Anybody experienced miraculous deliverance, change of life, impossible things? I could have gotten mad at God. You let me down. My bank account's empty. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. And God said, oh, keep obeying. I remember <laughs> there's a, what's that band Switchfoot. Yeah, I'm old school. But uh, there's a song, Hello Hurricane, and it's just talking about he sees a hurricane coming. And he's like, he's basically like, bring it on. I got my doors and windows boarded up. All your dead furies on the. 
to silence my alarm. Yep, I love you, Lord. I'm going to follow you. Doesn't make sense. People think I'm crazy. I don't care. I want to be where you want me to be. That should be your answer to everything. Why are you in this church? If the answer is because this is where God wants me, then get out. <laughs> I'm serious. Go to the church you're supposed to go to. What are you doing with your money? Where are you living? What job are you in? Who are you dating? Who did you marry? There should be no other answer than this is what God asked of me. And none of us are very good at this, and we make mistakes, and we're all kind of groping around in the dark, but together we can figure it out. We can probably be 90%, you know, accurate. We'll, we'll all make some false, you know, whatever. Usually, though, when we bring other people into the mix, we won't screw it up. When you do that hear God by yourself thing, you'll have a lot more mess-ups than when you hear God with the body of Christ. But uh, so for me, I'm like, man, it did all work out just fine. Better. Because the people that uh, we're going to be sending through this organization, because it didn't die, they're going to be from this place, like Michaela and Alan. And we're going to be, right? And, and we're going to have confidence in them because they're ours. They're us. They're our people. We know what they're about. We know what they can do. And the board. Oh, they're going to be our people, right? And uh, so God's like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to resurrect that thing. I just want to give you a little broader base and some absolutely amazing people to surround you and a lot of young men to pour into. I am astonished at the young men that God gives me to work with. Astonished at the quality of People that are God's building up, not just to be leaders in the church, but just men, powerful, godly, good fathers, husbands. But even now, I don't even have to teach my seminars because you guys can teach the seminars. I'm like, this is way better than I would have come up with. And I don't know where we're going, but it's fun and it's good. You frustrated at God? You can read the rest of the story yourself. If you don't know where it's going, some of you guys are like, I don't know the Bible. We'll read it. John 11. Gets really good. But none of us would have ever come up with the ending. Ever. And you can't come up with your ending. You just need to trust that God loves you and he knows what he's doing. And he's going to get you there. And the devil's the one. He's trying to rip you off. He's overlooking you. He's The only one that's going to get you off that path is you. By failing to believe God loves you. Oh, I'll, I'll let you in on something else here. I wonder what time it is. I can't tell. How much time do I have? There's no clock around. Wow, this is like the earliest ever in the history of preaching I've gotten through something. While all this was going on, I thought, this is too hard. I'm going to talk to some headhunter guy who goes around for churches and companies and finds people to fill positions. Because I could, I got a good resume. You know, I got, I was 
theological degrees, um, you know, great schools. I got I'm trained with walk through the Bible. I've been overseas missions. I've been with big organizations. I've done all kinds of cool stuff. I'll just find a church that can give me a salary and I'll just go through that, you know, process. And uh, <laughs> while I'm struggling with all this stuff, and so I'm talking to this guy, I think he's in Colorado Springs, and I can tell I'm they're like weeding people out, and I'm getting down, 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 down to the finish line. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, don't do that. Come on. This, you know, it's not what I'm up to. It's not what I'm doing. It's not the way I work. Uh, and so I remember, I, I could just sense I was getting down. And I'm like, all right, take my name off the list. He's like, what's going on? It's like, ah, I'm not supposed to be here. God's got something else up for me. I don't need to solve my problems. Um, now, if God had told me to do that, I should have done it. But I knew it was just me trying to fix things. And I'm just so glad I didn't. So, let God off the hook. I was talking to Jason earlier. Some of you think you have to forgive God. You don't have to forgive God. He didn't do anything wrong. He's not doing anything wrong. He loves you. He's got a great plan. Now, you have to put yourself in a position to be blessed. You have to repent. You got to renounce sin. You have to be born again. You have to say, God, I'm committed to obey, no matter how hard it is, no matter who likes it or who doesn't. you got to put yourself on that track if you want his blessing. You can't be stubborn and disobedient and hiding stuff over here. He's not going to bless you over there. But if you're truly humble, you're obedient, you're willing to do what he says, you're willing to take the knocks and the hard hits, whatever the cost of obedience is, you're going to be blessed. Because he doesn't know how to rip you off. You're just like that little kid that has no clue why mom and dad make them go to bed at a certain time, eat their veggies, go to school, do their homework, don't play with the <laughs> we had with some neighbors my dad used to call the Fucaccinis. That wasn't really their name, but I remember they had they had liquor hidden in their beanbag chair, they smoking weed all the time. My dad can't play with the Fucaccinis. Um, right. You're so unfair. You know, right? No, I love you. I don't want you to end up in the penitentiary. God loves you. He knows what he's doing. Just release him. Say, I trust you. I love you. I'm going to obey. Just like Jesus, his heart is for you. He weeps over you. He aches for you. He's determined to do you good. Do you believe it or do you believe the lie that the devil has spun in your head about who he is? Who cares what anybody else thinks or says? What's true? What's true is what he showed us in Christ, what he said about himself. He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness, faithfulness. He's always that. He's never anything but that. Trust him. He's a lot smarter than you. All right. So, I think that's all I got for you today. Let's pray. Father, we come before in Jesus' name. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I don't want to follow my path. I don't want to force my agenda and ask you to bless it. I'm too stupid to get where I need to go. You have made my life. Jesus, you said you came to give us life and give it give us life to the full. I just I love my life. I love the things that surround me. 
I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my friends. I love the job you've called me to. I love the history that I have. And it's all because of you. Help us to obey. And I pray today, Lord God, there'd be people that would just give up frustration. They'd give it up and they say, I surrender. I trust. They'd let people pray for them. Yeah. And we could experience the fullness of life you have for us. We love you. We bless you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, since we're so early, and uh, I think it's probably like 20 minutes till, we could do a worship song. And just get your heart right. You got any business you have to do with God? If you're frustrated with God and you leave here frustrated with God, something went wrong. If you're frustrated with God, let's figure out how to sort that out before you get out the door so you can get on track because he wants to bless you. But your frustration and your bitterness will keep you from that blessing. So let's stand up together and let's do a little bit of worshiping.